Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Let's jump into the sermon. Oh, uh, one one more thing. Uh, at the end of the message today, we're going to be taking communion together. Even though we're not in the same room, uh, we're still part of the same family. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go into your kitchen, find some bread and some juice. It doesn't have to be the exact uh, right bread and juice. I don't know exactly what that is, but uh, just whatever you have in your home, uh, let's gather some of those elements uh, for you, your family. Uh, we're going to gather around. We're going to take um, communion together here as a church, as one body, um, coming together, um, holding, standing arm in arm, holding hands, holding uh, arms together, but standing on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And so I want to give you a moment just to take, uh, take a moment, go find some of those elements, uh, get them together, and let's jump into the Word of God um, together today. Uh, we've been in a sermon series for the past several weeks, a sermon series on uh, the, the tabernacle as we're walking through the tabernacle, looking at God's blueprint for worship. And so I want to continue that today. Um, we're in really the final stages of the tabernacle. We've gone from the outer court uh, into the holy place, and now we're moving into the most holy place. And uh, there's, there's, one, there's only one uh, piece of furniture in the most holy place, and it's the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony, um, as, it's, as, it's, as it's talked about in Scripture. And I'm going to talk about the Ark, but before I talk about the Ark, today I want to talk about some things which are inside of the Ark. And um, one of those things is something called manna. And if you've never heard that word, you're probably going, what is it? Well, yes, exactly. That's what it is. Uh, manna means what is it. And manna is the provision that God gave to his people when they were in the wilderness. So they, they were led out into the wilderness and they didn't have anything to eat. And so God literally provided for them bread from heaven. Scripture says it was the food that angels eat, angel food, um, that God dropped down every single morning for them, for his people, as he provided for them. And uh, we read about manna just briefly in Exodus chapter 16. I want you to turn there, and uh, Pete, if you can just put that screen up there. Uh, Exodus 16 in verse uh, 31. The people of Israel called the bread manna, uh, which means what is it? Because that's what they said when they first saw it. By the way, when you first see the provision that God has for you, most of the time you look at it and you say, what is it? Uh, be careful that you don't just judge God's provision um, just based on what you can see and what you can interpret, how well you can interpret what you see, because sometimes God's doing a new thing. Sometimes God's stepping in new ways. And so I know you're sitting there on your couch and you're like, church online, what is it? Uh, texting, uh, forgiving, what is it? Uh, do I need to call somebody and they pray for me? What is that? Well, okay, it's different, I know, but it doesn't mean God's not using it. It doesn't mean God's not going to use it to provide for you during this season. So God's level of provision comes to us differently in different seasons of our life. And the, the Israelites, when they first saw the bread, they said, what is it? But 
man, after they picked it up, they noticed it was white like coriander, like coriander seed. It was white bread. Come on, somebody. It was not pumpernickel and nasty, dark bread. Uh-uh. It was the good stuff. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. It was sweet. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come. An omer is a, is, a, is a type of measurement. It's the kind of measurement that was used for the manna on a daily basis. An omer was the amount that one individual would eat in a single day. And so Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come. So not only are you going to uh, enjoy the provision God has for you right here and now, but I want you to save some of it so that they can see. Somebody, somebody say see. <laughs> okay, there's nobody in the room right now. You can't say see. You can type see though. God wants you to see his provision. God doesn't just want you to believe in your head. He wants you to see with your eyes what he is doing for you. He says, look, I want you to save some of this so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. Going on to the next verse, it says that as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. Now, if you know where the tablets of the covenant law reside, they reside in the Ark of the Covenant. The tablets of the covenant law would be the tablets of stone that God gave to Moses, which are the Ten Commandments. And I, I, I love this picture. I love how God, he, he, he doesn't just simply give us commandments. He does give us Ten Commandments. These are God's expectations on his people. But God never simply gives us his expectations by themselves. Right next to the representation of God's expectation, God said, I want you then to put a representation of my provision so that every single time the high priest would walk into the Holy of Holies, once a year he would walk in to make atonement for the people of Israel, that he is making atonement on the what's called the mercy seat, which is the top of the Ark of the Covenant, but underneath that top is the commandments of God, right? God's expectations of his people. But right next to God's expectations is a remembrance and a sign of God's provision. Because God even knew they weren't going to be able to keep the covenant. God even knew they weren't going to be able to keep the commandments. And so right next to them, he wanted for there to be an eternal remembrance of his capabilities, not of their capabilities, but of his provision. We serve a God who not only tells us his expectation, but he also brings to bear his provision in our life. And that's what I want to preach to you about today. I want to preach to you about the God who provides, that Jesus is our source and he is our supply. Those two things. He is our source and he is our supply. In, in, in times like these, in times of crisis, in times of loss, in times of worry and anxiety, you need to hold on to a God who is still faithful to provide, who is still a very, what does scripture say, an ever-present help, a very present help in time of need. That, that Jesus 
is still our source and our supply. That in the presence of God, part of the, the most intimate place in all of Israel was the Holy of Holies. And right in the middle of the Holy of Holies was this Ark of the Covenant, this box, which, which had the presence of God dwelling over it continually. But underneath the presence of God was, yes, the commandments of God. And next to the commandments was the provision of God. That our God is a God who provides. That our God is a God who meets the needs of of his people that what uh what the psalmist said psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd and because he's my shepherd i will never be in want or i will never be in lack or i will never lack the things i need because he is my shepherd so the in times like these man we need to this needs to be our confession this needs to be our focus this needs to be our our, our pursuit that there is a God who provides. And I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I don't know what's going to happen with the coronavirus. And I don't know what's going to happen with your job or my job or our jobs. I don't know what's going to happen with the economy. I don't know what's going to happen next November. <laughs> I don't know. But what I do know is that I serve a God who is going to be with me no matter what and that he will provide. And so I want to talk to you about the provision, the provision of God. Uh, that he comes to us very much uh, like, like, like this manna. And so it's true in the Old Testament. Uh, God wanted it to be kept as remembrance, but it's also true in the New Testament. If you can turn to John chapter 6, there's a story that you're probably familiar with. It'll be there on your screen, a part of it anyway. Uh, but but the, 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 the context of the story is that Jesus was teaching a multitude of people, 5,000 men plus women and children. He's teaching them, and the day is growing late, and people are getting hungry, and his disciples say, hey, uh, the, why don't we send these people away so they can get something to eat? In other words, they, they need to go find food for themselves. But Jesus says, no, like, you give, him, you give them something to eat. And the disciples can't give them something to eat because they don't have enough food. And so the disciples bring what they do have to Jesus, and Jesus multiplies the fishes and the loaves. But there's an interesting part of this story that, that really stuck out to me as I was studying this idea of manna, in that Jesus, in verse 10, Jesus says to the disciples, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Have the people sit down. This is part of God's provision. Before God brings provision to you, he often asks you to change your position. That your posture is important when it comes to receiving the provision of God. That before Jesus multiplied the bread and started handing out the bread... He said, first, have the people sit down. We are in a season right now. We're in a season, and I don't, I don't know if you can see me or the screen, but maybe, maybe, maybe if, you just, if you just put the camera on me for just a second. We're in a season where God is making people sit down. You, you are <laughs> in your living room right now, literally sitting down. Okay, and that's true, but honestly, probably in your work, you're probably sitting down. You're, you're probably not able to go into work because, honestly, many places are shutting down. They're closing their doors. Many people are quarantined. Our children are being sat down from school. 
and we're talking about how are we going to make up the time and the grades and the tests and all of that much of the american life is being forced to sit down and i want to tell you that's not a bad thing i know it feels like a bad thing because you're not able to be as productive it feels like a bad thing especially for all of you workaholics <laughs> What am I going to do if I can't do? And, 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 and yet, it's not a bad thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There are times when God wants to do something in your life, but he can't do it because you're too busy running around. We often don't, don't sit down in the green pastures because we're running around looking for greener pastures. And I feel like God's doing something in America. God's doing something in the world right now. And it's a mercy. It's a blessing that he is causing his church. He's causing his people. And he's causing local and, 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 and federal governments to literally sit down. And it's not a bad thing. He tells them to sit before I can provide for you. I have to have you stop trying to provide for yourself. Before I can feed you, I have to have you stop trying to feed yourself. Before I can bless you, I have to have you stop trying to earn the blessing yourself. Just sit down. There's something about the posture of sitting down that now we're waiting on him. Apparently, they were, they were walking around. Apparently, they were moving around because they were hungry and they're getting fidgety, getting agitated, and just wondering, okay, so is he going to be done with his, his final point or what? Because I need to go get something to eat. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Before we feed you, we've got we to teach you how to wait. We've got to teach you how to sit. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. And that word lie down literally means to recline. So I, you're in your living room uh, or your bedroom or whatever. I don't know if you have a lazy boy, but why don't you just, you know, those lazy boys that have the, the little lever on the side, why don't you just grab that lever and just just, just recline just, just a minute? What if all around Austin there was some clicking and reclining going on? Because we realize that the weight of our future is not on our shoulders. When you sit down, you have stopped working. When you sit down, you have stopped striving. When you sit down, when you just, when, and I'm not talking about being lazy, but I'm talking about resting in the faithfulness of God and just pull that lazy boy, get those feet up. <laughs> you never thought you'd, heard that, you'd hear that in church, right? Relax, get your feet up, just kick back. No, man, this, this, is, this is a good thing for us. We are far too busy in America. We are far too productive. We, we, we produce so much, but we have very little fruit. And it's because we don't wait on him. And so if the Lord is your shepherd, I'm telling you, he's going to make you lie down from time to time. He's going to make you sit down. He's going to make, he's going to quarantine you so that you can hear from him, so that you can remember that your help doesn't come from your ability to produce something. Your help comes from the Lord. So sit down. And what's interesting about the shepherd analogy in Psalm 23 is that if the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not be in one. He makes you lie down in green pastures. Well, like for, for, for these people, they were, they were sitting down in a grassy area, you know. But if you're a sheep and you sit down in a grassy area, that grass is literally the provision that you're looking for. 
So, so when he says he makes me to sit down in green pastures with regard to me being his, his, his lamb or his sheep, he's basically saying I'm sitting down in the provision of God. I'm reclining literally in the provision of God. We have horses on our property. We got 14 acres and uh, I don't know, Lord, how many horses we have. Uh, we have a few horses. And I've been watching them the past couple of days. And you know what? They, they are not stressed out about the COVID-19 virus. Uh, they are not even sanitizing their hoofs. They're not, uh, they're not worried about it. What, what horses are doing right now is they're, they're walking around with their head down like this, looking at grass and nibbling and eating, walking around nibbling and eating and walking around nibbling and eating. And I thought it was so interesting that God created an animal that enjoys grass that loves to eat grass and then he placed that animal in a ge geographical location where there's nothing but grass like our horses they look out for acres and acres and all they can see is food like like good food i mean it's like it's like willy wonka's chocolate factory you know so you got the river the chocolate milk river come on somebody you got like that that, that that's what heaven's going to be like is a river of chocolate milk i don't need the glass and crystals and diamonds and pearls just give me that river of chocolate milk i will swim in that and drink drink from that it'll be awesome uh, but like for 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 a horse or for an animal it's all out there it's literally their food is growing underneath their feet they don't have to go to heb they it's just there it's it, no wonder they trust god no wonder they don't live in fear. No wonder they believe that God's going to provide for them because he always has. And one of the problems with us humans is we don't spend time looking at our feet. We're too busy looking down the road or looking behind us at what we've lost. And I understand that I'm talking to folks. You're watching this online. Some people in City Chapel have lost their jobs in the last couple of weeks. Some people are wondering if, if they're going to lose their jobs. I, I realize that we're talking about a, at least a recession. I realize that we're looking at the economy and, and, and wondering what's going to happen. Like, I understand there's a lot of uncertainty right now about the future. But what if, what if the provision God wants to bring to you, what if he's waiting on you to sit down and simply appreciate what he's already done for you? So why don't you do that? You're sitting there in your couch right now. Just, just, just look around for a second. Like literally, just look around. If you are fortunate, fortunate enough to have a living room, like to be, have a house, just look around. Look around at the people that are with you. Look at, if you're married, look at your spouse. Look at your kids. Maybe they're in the next room listening to the Joneses teach about Jesus. Look around at, at, the, at the pictures on your wall. Look, look around at the memories and the people that have been in your life or maybe are at your life, uh, are in your life. If, if you're Cassie, look around at your dogs. And, and I, there's so many blessings. I'm telling you, man, we, we, we have to sometimes just sit down in the, the provision that God has already given us and just say, man, God has been so good. I'll tell you what, God has been so faithful. God has been so kind, so much more than I deserve, so far beyond what I have earned. He has poured out blessings on me. He's, he's given me far more than I ever even asked for. He's, he's, he's opened up doors that I never even thought were possible. He's done things for me that I, 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 that I didn't know that he was planning on. 
I mean, he's done so much in my life. And so sometimes these seasons of sitting down are good for us because we're so busy running around trying to get the next thing that we don't sit back and just thank him for what he's already given to us. Just take a good look around. Kick back. Breathe in the like it, it's it's so easy for us to be worried about getting sick that we forget to be thankful that we're healthy it's so easy for us to be worried about losing our job we forget to be thankful that we have one it's so easy to be to be worried about losing stuff that we forget that it's an absolute blessing that we had to begin with and I think part of the posture that is necessary in these times is a posture of gratefulness, a posture of thanksgiving, a posture of, of, of honestly being overwhelmed that God's goodness has been so, so abundant in my life. And some of the things that we're losing as a culture, some of the things that, that, are, that are, uh, are currently passing away for this season, they're, they're massive luxuries. They're absolutely luxuries. And maybe we'll, we won't take them for granted, you know, in a few months. I don't know. But I, I do know that at the end of the day, when God has us sit down, it, it calms our spirit and it allows us to thank him for what he's done. And it also prepares us for the future. It enables our faith to see what he could do in the future. There's a, there's a passage in um, the book of Jeremiah Jeremiah was actually a pretty um, gruff prophet, it seems. His, his writings, man, are pretty straightforward. There's Jeremiah 29, 11, which you've heard about, um, and you probably haven't heard about anything else from Jeremiah uh, because it's not, it's not very tweetable. Jeremiah is not very tweetable very often. And, and uh, part of that is because God called Jeremiah to call his people to repentance. And so, I mean, man, is, he had some rough stuff to say on God's behalf. In Jeremiah chapter 2, is one of those chapters where Jeremiah is basically, God is speaking to his people through the prophet Jeremiah, and he's saying, look, after all that I've done for you, how could you turn away from me? And there's a passage at the, at the beginning of the chapter starts off with Jeremiah saying frequently, hear the word of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord. But there's a part in verse 31, Jeremiah 2:31, where he says, see the word of the Lord. I think the NIV says consider, but it, it literally means to see or behold the word of the Lord. And uh, Jewish tradition says that when Jeremiah said that, he, he, was, he, he, had, he had literally gone and gotten the bowl of manna. And he was holding it up in front of the people. And he was saying, look, look at the provision of God. Look at the faithfulness of God. Look at what he's done for you. Now, why, why would he have to do that? Well, because according to Jewish tradition, as Jeremiah was sharing these things about, hey, you need to get back to the Torah. You need to get back to serving God. You need to get back to obeying God. One of the main complaints from the people was, Jeremiah, look, man, we got jobs. Like, do you really expect us to leave our jobs in order to fulfill the Torah? <laughs> it's, it's amazing how you can get so entangled in this life that you can literally come to a place where you say, well, how could I possibly obey God? How could I possibly submit to God when I have these other concerns? And what Jeremiah was doing is he was saying, look, you didn't always have jobs. 
You weren't always a prosperous people. You didn't always have your own country and your own nation, your own kings and queens. You, you, you didn't always. There was a time. And let, hold on just a second. Jeremiah goes back and he gets the bowl of manna. Do you remember the time when all you had was God? And don't you know that after your jobs are finished and after your, your governments are finished and after everything else falls away, do you not know that the word of God stands forever, that he will provide? Can't you trust him? By the way, that's, that's, what, that's what God's statement through Jeremiah was in verse 31. God said to the people, he said, have I been a wilderness to you? Have I been a dark place and a wilderness to you? You say, well, why would, why would they say that? Because he had led them through the wilderness. But if you're not careful, the difficult situation that you're in, you might begin to believe that that's what God has been to you. No, no, God wasn't the wilderness. The wilderness was the situation. God wasn't the coronavirus. That was the situation. God wasn't the loss of the job. That was the situation. God was the one who was sustaining you in the midst of the difficult situation. God said, wait, you got me confused with the wilderness, man. You got me confused with the situation. I am not your, your struggle. I am not your storm. I am not your difficulty that you're going through. I am there with you in the middle of your storm, providing for you and bringing you out. And so during this time of anxiety and fear and coronavirus and wondering what's going to happen with the economy and wondering what's going to happen with are we going to be able to travel and is there going to be a complete total lockdown are we going to be quarantined for how long are we going to have enough groceries are we going to have enough food for our dogs and after all of these questions can I just can I just recenter you let me just grab a bowl of manna if I could and just let you look at the word of God like look around your living room at the provision of God Look at your spouse. Look at your children. Look at your home. Look at the knowledge you have about God. Look at the place you are at. Look at, don't, God is not your wilderness. He is taking you through the wilderness. He is your source. Don't get it twisted. Don't get confused. It was never the government. It was never the church. It was never the pastor. It was God and God alone who got you through those hard times. And it is still God who is still here for you even now. So I want to challenge you as you're, as you're losing some things, and we're all losing some things. Let's look at what we're keeping. Let's look at what is sticking with us. And you're going to find that it is the word of God and it is the faithfulness of God. So he had them sit down. We can go back to that, to that passage there. He, he had them sit down because he was positioning them for the miraculous by getting them to stop working on their own. Then after they were sat down, Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. And then in verse 14, uh, if we go on to verse 14, after the people saw the sign, that's key, after the people saw the sign, John 
is talking about the, the, the sign that he's talking about. The sign is the, the miracle that Jesus just performed, but John calls it the sign. After the people saw the sign, by the way, there are seven different times that in the, in the Gospel of John that John talks about Jesus performing a sign. And this is one of them. After the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, what they're, what they're talking about, this, is, uh, this would have been very commonly known in Jewish culture in that day. They expected the Messiah to be the, quote, the prophet. Uh, specifically, the prophet that Moses had prophesied about. So Moses, before he died, spoke to the people and said, there, there, God is going to raise up another prophet from among you who will be like me, only he'll finish the job. He'll bring you into a total, complete fullness of truth. So Moses recognized he got the people out of Egypt, but that wasn't enough. He recognized there was, a, there was the beginnings of, a, of an initial covenant, but that wasn't enough. And so he prophesied and said, there's coming a prophet who's like me, God will raise up from among you, and he will lead you into all truth. And so what happened was the Israelites, the Jewish people, were waiting for that prophet. And they said, aha, they saw the sign. They said, this is it. This is the prophet. And they weren't exactly wrong, by the way. Jesus, though, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So Jesus escapes. And then if we can scroll on down, the next day, the people find him. And so there's a few verses in there talking about how, how uh, they were looking for him and trying to pursue him and all that. And, and they did some in investigatory journalism uh, to figure out where he was. But in verse 25, they finally find Jesus. They found him on the other side of the lake. The dude is trying to get away. And they ask him, Rabbi, when did you get here? In other words, like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing, man? Like, this isn't how you started a church. We want to be a part of Jesus' church. Man, it would have been tough to join Jesus' church. This is not just a newcomer's meal, I'll tell you. Because Jesus responds to them, and he says, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, he said, you saw the sign, but you... You fell in love with the sign. Look what he says next. He says, Do not work for food that spoils. Rather, work for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Uh, if, if we could just put the, the, the camera back. I want to I talk to you for just a minute uh, about the signs. See, I was talking to you about being thankful and looking around at the provision that God's given you, and that's good. But be careful that, that you don't fall in love with the provision. Be careful that you don't fall in love with what comes from His hand, when actually what comes from His hand was intended to get you to focus on His face. Jesus said, you, you, you came, you found me because you wanted more food, not because you saw the signs. So, so a sign, by the way, is something which points to something else. 
All right? A sign is something that points to something else. So a sign is never about the sign. If you're driving on a freeway and, and, and somebody says, okay, so you need to look for the sign for this exit, and you see the sign, and you're like, yes, I found the sign for the exit, and you pull over to the side of the road, and you stand by the sign, and you say, all right, I found, now I, I got the sign. I'm good. No, no, no. You need to take the exit. So the sign is supposed to point you to something else. These guys saw the sign, but they missed the exit. They saw the bread, but they thought it was just about the bread. If you're not careful, you, you sit there in, in your house, in your living room, or in your bedroom, and you look around at all the signs. And you'll say, wow, isn't God good? Doesn't God love me so much? And it's true. But if you're not careful, you'll begin to think that the signs are just about the signs, that the blessings are just about the blessings, that the provision is just about the provision, that the grace is just about the grace, that the faith is just about the faith. And before long, you can actually turn faith into a bit of witchcraft where you try to manipulate God with your faith, try to get him to do the things that you need. God is sort of becoming your middleman between where you are and where you want to be. And Jesus said, man, you've totally missed it. You totally missed it because it wasn't about the sign. I didn't give you this bread so that you'd fall in love with the bread. I didn't give you this family so you'd fall in love with your family. I didn't give you this job so you'd fall in love with the job. I didn't, I didn't give you the cars and the houses so you'd fall in love with the cars and the houses. You missed it. It was a sign pointing you to something else. That all of these blessings that, that I'm pouring out on you, it was supposed to get you to look at something else other than the blessing. So when the, the sign becomes a distraction, so Jesus admitted, like, you're, you've come and you've found me, not because you're looking for me, but because you're, you're looking to get something from me. You see me as your source, and that's good, but unfortunately, you totally miss the purpose or what, what, what I am the source of. I'm not the source of bread. Jesus is not the source of new cars. Jesus is not the source of, of jobs and job security. Jesus is not the source of, of physical healing. Jesus is the source of something else. And so he, he tells them, you're missing it. So I, I, I want to talk to you this morning. Look, don't miss it. Don't fall in love with the stuff that he's surrounded you with. Yeah, he's placed you in green pastures, but the purpose is not about the pasture. The purpose is not about the, the, the provision. The purpose is to gain, to gain your attention and lift your eyes to him. And sometimes when, when, when we fall in love with the provision, he'll take away the provision. Sometimes when we fall in love with the, with the green grass, he'll, he'll take away the green grass because, because he, he doesn't want us to miss the greater blessing, which is himself. And that's what Jesus says. We can go back to the scripture. It says, it says you're, I'm telling you, you're not looking for me because you saw the sign. You're looking for me because you had bread. And he says, do not work for food that spoils. Can I tell you, even in this time of not working, many of us are not working right now. It, it's crazy to me that Netflix is still <laughs> busting at the seams. They're, they're, I was reading a report where Netflix and Facebook are like just wondering how, how much more traffic they can actually handle because they're, they're experiencing just record 
numbers and record traffic so that even when like you can't work even when kids can't go to school even when you're forced to to stay oftentimes even within your own apartment people still often don't go for the bread that actually feeds their souls they still reach for binging the office come on somebody Uh, they still reach for scrolling endlessly through news feeds and Facebook feeds and comments and ridiculous memes. It's crazy that, that, that your life can shrink, but your value systems can stay the same. And Jesus said, look, it's not, it's, 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 it's not about the sign. Stop working for stuff that doesn't feed your soul. And I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing shade at if Facebook or Netflix, those are all fine, but they don't feed your soul. This season, the next couple of weeks, three weeks, month, I don't know how long this is going to last, but let it be a season where you seek food that actually feeds your soul, where you seek food that actually feeds your family's soul. Here's what I know. The next three weeks or the next month, however long it is, you're, we're going to come out of this. We are. We'll be back here in this room, in this sanctuary together. We're going to come out of this. But the question is, are, are you going to come out of this closer to Jesus or further away from Jesus? Are you going to come out of this with a stronger faith or a weaker faith? Are you going to come out of this with, with a testimony? Are you going to come out of this with, with hope? Are you going to come out of this with more love for your fellow man? Are you going to come out of this better or worse it's one or the other you're either going to be closer to god or further away from god crisis does that difficult times do that they push us or pull us one or the other and as for me and my house i want to be closer to god i want to feed my family and my own heart with the kind of food that actually nourishes the soul jesus said look stop working for food that doesn't feed you stop working for stuff that doesn't meet your need. Now, that doesn't mean quit your job and just just totally just rely on Jesus to take care of all your bills. No, it, it means rather don't let, don't let stuff of this earth be your primary focus. Don't even, it could, because you can come to church and it still be the primary focus. Jesus, I need you to, to do this and to do that and to do that and to do that. Lord, Jesus, I need you to do this and to do this because if, I, if, you can, if, if these things can line up, then I know I'll be good. No, man. Jesus says, you, you don't get it. You're missing the sign. He says, don't work. Don't work for food that spoils, but rather work for food that endures to eternal life. And so in verse 28, they ask him, what must we do to, to do this work? What is the work? How do I work for food that actually springs up into eternal life? And so in verse uh, 29, if we go on to verse 29, Jesus answered. He said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. This is the work. This is the work. To put your faith in Jesus, to believe in him. To believe in him, not just when you see results, but to believe in him even if things get worse, even if things grow darker, even if things get more scary, to believe in the one whom he has sent. This is the work. 
And it is work. If you've ever had to keep your faith in the midst of a trial, you'll know that it is work. It is difficult when it doesn't seem to be working. It is work when it doesn't seem to be going the way that you thought it would go. It is work to keep your faith solidly set on the one who is eternal, the one who doesn't change. And so my faith cannot be in the government. My faith cannot be in a pastor. My faith cannot be in the church. My faith cannot be in a person. My faith cannot be in my spouse. My faith must be, can't even be in myself. I can't put faith in myself. I must put my faith in Jesus. That's a good amen moment right there. So you can just comment, just comment, amen, give me some praise, Jesus, clapping emojis. Drop some, if you're JT, it'll be a fist. I don't know why, but JT does fists a lot. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, our faith must be in Jesus. This is a good time. This is a good time to figure out where your faith is. It really is. Crisis is a wonderful time to expose where your faith really is. Because it's one thing when everything's going good and the economy's doing great and everything's working the way that you think it ought to and you have a false sense of uh, security and you have a false sense of, 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 of really immortality. It's one thing, but when, when things start to crash and things start to stop working and it gets crazy, then we find out where our faith really is and what we've really been working for. Lord, may we be a people that works through faith. It's not, <laughs> it, the work is the believing. May we be a people that faithfully, consistently believe that you are who you say you are. We put our faith in you. And so he says, you need to work for that. So they say, okay, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe? What will you do? And in verse 31, they explain themselves a little bit. They say, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So what they're saying is, uh, what sign are you going to do? Because they're, they're basically drawing a parallel between the events that had happened the day before and, and what's happening right now. They said, look, we thought this was the sign. So we thought that you were clearly being like Moses because Moses was in the wilderness, right, with Israelites, and he gave them bread miraculously. And you were in the wilderness with Israelites, and you gave us bread miraculously. And so we kind of thought that you were like, you know, the, 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 the prophet that's like Moses. And Jesus corrects them though he says wait a minute wait a minute minute." jesus in verse 32 he said to them very truly i tell you it's not moses who gave you the bread from heaven but it is my father who gives you present tense gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of god is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world and that's true because in exodus uh, chapter 16 which they think they're quoting where it says he gave them bread it's not talking about moses it's talking about god and so it's wonderful crisis is a wonderful time to realize where you where you believe your source is. We get it mixed up oftentimes. So it was God that gave us bread or was it Moses? Was it, was it God that healed me or was it that lady who laid it, her hands on me? 
was it was it God who saved me or was it the church service where I, I felt his spirit, his presence? Hmm. It's so easy, it's so easy to confuse the source with, with the messenger. It's so easy to confuse it. And Jesus says, wait a minute, it wasn't Moses that gave you the bread. It was my father, and my father is still, by the way, is still giving you bread. My father is still sending bread from heaven, and he's still giving life to not only you, but to the entire world. And so Jesus realigns, it really, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a theology shift. You must begin to see God as your source. And now more than ever, you're in your living room, you're in your kitchen, you're in your bedroom, wherever you are, and you can't come to church. And, and you know, so-and-so can't lay their hand on your head, and we can't anoint you with oil, and I can't take your hands and pray with you, and we can't gather in small groups, and we can't do the, the men's breakfast and the women's breakfast and, and the many, many, many things that we normally do. We can't do all of that. Well, guess what? That wasn't what was feeding you. Those were just the conduits. We were the messengers. It was God who was feeding you. It was God who saved you. It was God who redeemed you. It was God who healed you. It was God. And so let's realign. Let's re recenter and refocus. Let's, let's, let, 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 let's get our theology straight. Because it, it, it's so easy to start confusing that. And it brings, it brings confusion when Moses is gone. When the church is now just something online and I'm talking to you and you're typing back and, and it's not the same. And it doesn't feel the same. And, you know, the audio and worship isn't the same. And, uh, and all of it. But God is the same. And he is still dropping bread from heaven to those that are hungry. Give us this day our daily bread. He is still giving us his bread. Jesus goes on uh, to say that, and then, and then they say to him, Sir, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread. In other words, God is not just the source of your blessing. God is also the supply of your blessing. Jesus is not just the source for what you want. Jesus is what you need his presence his very presence in our life this is enough there's something about the manna that God dropped down uh, for, for his people one it was, it was always enough for them they always had enough and this is, this is representation this is a representation of Jesus Jesus is always enough if you have Jesus plus nothing else you have enough so, so Jesus is sufficient he is enough. He is enough to meet your every need, my every need. He's also necessary. He's incredibly necessary. Uh, they needed bread in the wilderness, and they couldn't get it on their own, and so God sent it down from heaven. <laughs> this is prophetic of the gospel, that we needed a Savior, and we couldn't save ourselves, and so God sent it down from heaven. He sent down the bread from heaven in the physical body, the person of Jesus Christ. And that bread is still feeding us today. That bread is still sustaining our lives today. And I mean physically, yes, but also spiritually, also emotionally. I, 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 I can keep my, my mind sane because of Jesus. There's an old hymn 
uh, says, in times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. And if you're not sure today, if you're watching and you're not sure where your anchor is or what it's gripping, can I just offer you Jesus? I don't offer you any great assurance for our government or the elections in November or, goodness, anything else right now except Jesus. I know who I have believed in. I am persuaded that he is faithful and that he is able to keep whatever I've committed to him against that day. And so if I'm going to commit my life to him, I know he's able to keep my life. If I'm going to commit my family to him, I know he's able to keep my family. If I'm going to commit my possessions to him, I know he's able to keep my possessions. So I want to give you a chance. And, and we're, going to, we're going to take communion together here uh, right now. Let's go ahead and grab some of that bread, which is symbolic of the body of Christ. Uh, whatever kind of bread you may have, I have a, what is this, a pretzel. It's a bit of a pretzel. <laughs> I guess it's not leavened, I guess some salt it's whatever you can get it's not about the particular piece of bread it's about what it symbolizes it symbolizes the body of Jesus and when we eat of his body we're basically saying that we're not we're not going to eat anywhere else we're not going to any other bakeries we're not going to any other source there's one source and it is Jesus he is enough he is sufficient he is necessary and he is a very present help he's he's available Every single day, God rained manna down for his people. And every single day, he's making himself available to you and to me. You might be watching this and your faith isn't in Jesus. I want to invite you to put your faith in Jesus. To trust him for your salvation. To trust him for your future. To trust him for your past. For dealing with the sin of your past. Wherever you're at, let's close our eyes together. Scripture says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why don't, why don't you do that right now? To confess your sin is just simply to say the same thing about your sin. To admit that you have sinned. To admit that you have been in the wrong. To come with humility before him and to say, God, I need you. And honestly, wherever you're at, whatever kind of prayer you pray, I promise you he's listening. I promise you that the bread of Jesus Christ is near. And he will feed your soul. Lord, we come to you right now. In the name of Jesus, we're asking for our greatest need, which is more of Jesus more of Jesus in our life, more of Jesus in our heart, more of Jesus in our family, more of Jesus in, in our living rooms, more of Jesus in our marriages, more of Jesus in our minds, more of Jesus in our attitudes, more of Jesus in our entertainment, more of Jesus, more of Jesus. We are not, even though we're eating so many other things, we're not being fed by them. They're not sustaining us. We need more of you. So we ask for you to come and to feed us with your presence.
You are our source and our supply. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. We repent of our sins. We turn away from our sins. We commit, we commit right now to follow you, to obey you. That's part of faith, is to believe that Jesus is who he says that he is, but also to believe that he has done what he says he has done, and also that he will do everything he says that he will do. We put our faith in Jesus, which means we, which means we must turn away from this other stuff. We must follow him. If his reality is ultimate reality, then we must forsake this fake reality which is fading away. And we must pursue this, this one treasure in the field. We have to sell everything. Because it's so worth it. So Lord, we, we do that. We sell our old way of life. And we purchase a new way of life. We don't even know what that means necessarily. But we'll follow you. We'll learn about you. We'll read about you. We'll, we, we'll, 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 we'll apply ourselves to know you. We'll get up every morning. We'll go looking for you like they did the manna. They always go outside the camp and it was all around there and they had to grab it and put it in bowls and cups and jars and stuff and take it back into their home. We'll apply ourselves to seek you. In Jesus' name. If you would take the, the bread... On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. He's still doing that even today. He's distributing himself. And he said, here, take and eat. This is my body. He didn't mean it was literally his body. He meant it was symbolic of his body. He said, this body is broken for you. It's crushed for you. It's not only crushed for you, it's been crushed by you. So you have to take it and eat it yourself. You have to admit that you're part of that crushing, that your sin is part of what put him on the cross. You have to have the humility. And then to receive. He said, look, take, I'm giving you myself. I'm giving you myself. I'm handing it out because you need it. So he said, take and eat. He says, often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, we remember, Jesus, we remember you and your body. We receive it. Humbly, we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and eat that. After that, he took a cup, had wine in it. Mine has grape juice. I don't know what yours has. But the key is what it stands for. He said, this, is, this, this, this wine, he said, is actually my blood, which is the new covenant bought, paid for the blood of Jesus. He said, drink it. Just drink, drink all of it. Take it all in. Take my blood into you. Let it cleanse you. Let it purify you. So, Lord, we do today in remembrance of you all around this region we take your blood we apply it to the doorposts of our heart we apply it to our lives this is all my hope and peace this is all my righteousness nothing but the blood of jesus what can take what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of jesus so lord we take it humbly Truly, we can only but receive it. We must have the humility of children that have no ability to work for what they need, but can only simply put their hands out and receive. 
So Lord, as your children, we receive from you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your blood. We don't take it for granted. We receive it. Go ahead and drink of the juice. If you're watching today and if you made a decision to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please put a comment in the comment section below uh, or the comment section on our website off to the side. Uh, we will follow up with you. We want to connect with you. We want to help you know what some next steps are, some ways to get closer to Jesus, continue to feed on him. Uh, and if you're just a part of our church, we're thankful that you're with us. We want to stay connected with you in this time. We, we're not doing church like normal, but it doesn't mean we're not, doesn't mean we're not doing church at all. Uh, all of our small groups are still meeting. They're just meeting online through uh, Zoom websites or interactive uh, video chat, up to 100 people at a time. Um, it's, really, it's really a great way to stay connected. So we'll be posting and sharing different ways for you to connect. We also want to start having some prayer meetings through Zoom, some Zoom prayer meetings to see each other's faces, hear each other's voices, join in together in one accord in prayer um, uh, to, see God, to see God move. And so we'll be posting some of those things on Facebook as well as through text messages, um, some ways for you to get involved. Um, but we really do want you to stay connected, to stay, um, stay a part of the family, and let's, let's keep getting closer to Jesus together. Um, by the way, if, you, if you're taking communion, I don't know if you have uh, any pictures you could post about your communion experience or just your living room experience, if you're presentable, um, that, would, that would be awesome. Uh, just to kind of share in this. Uh, I do miss seeing your face. Uh, I love you, uh, and I'm here for you in this time. My doors are always open. My phone's always available. And uh, we'll, you're going to be hearing from me as well as others in uh, the church as we call around and just check on everybody and pray for you. Uh, so these are serious times, and it's time to be serious about our faith in God and watch what He could do. So thank you for joining us uh, today. I hope you have a great week. Hope you're safe and well and healthy, and I will talk to you later. I just missed.